98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. I burns you a little under the weather. So we hope he gets uh, better soon. He's a little under the weather. So Kellen Olsen filling in today. As we take you up till 6 o'clock, D-backs baseball getting ready to start right now. Take it on the Astros. Zach Gallen against Justin Verlander. Outstanding pitching matchup. Um, just don't bring in an Ian Kennedy. Just don't bring Ian Kennedy or Mark Melance. Don't bring anybody in the bullpen in the game. <laughs> Just ruined Gallon's arm at the end of the I year. got. Hey, did I not get on Lavello? Did I? You were here. Did I not get on Lavello the other day? I got on Lavello. You like, look, I'm accountable. Mad. I'm mad you at you. Yeah. I said, listen, I'm totally mad at you. Why'd you take Zach Allen out of the game? You like, got a I, weekly guest. You know, you try and keep it. No, you're you're going to get on him when you have to. This no, has listen. been all positive. We're going to hit you with the one negative. You ready? Uh. <laughs> That's a great cut. That's a good. You got the gal- You don't have the Gallon one from the other day, do you? Okay, yeah. Cause I got on him on Gallon. It's like oh, yeah, I don't listen. Goodness. I mean, what are you going to do? Go to go to go to their people. Say, I can't go on with Gambo anymore. He's just killing me. No, it's listen. You, Zach Gallon's one inning away from a complete game, and you bring in the bullpen, and they blow, and he loses, and, and and he doesn't get the win. So I had to get him on about that. All right, let's let's play this one cut. I don't want to give Skip Bayless any credit because I think the guy is absolutely awful. I. One of the big and there's a lot of great people in the media. This one always baffles me. I don't get what anybody sees in this guy. I don't know why any everybody keeps paying this guy, um, but somehow they do. So this is the one that always sticks out to me. Like I can't believe people actually listen to this guy. But here's what he said uh, at the end of his uh, segment that he was doing on Undisputed, which I never watched, but somebody had sent me the clip about the Phoenix Suns and the demise of the Phoenix Suns. I got good news for. You and Laker Nation, the Suns are about to set in the West, as in sink into the. We'll trade horizon. the rest with DA. Well, you could maybe pull. Y'all that want off. that? Yeah, I'm sure they'd be real interested. <laughs> no, I don't. The Suns are going to set in the West. He said the Suns are going to sink. Now there is uh, there is definitely a lot swirling around the Phoenix Suns right now. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But I think when we get to basketball, when you take out the investigation on the Suns and the owners selling the team, and we just get down to basketball, what scares me right now is, listen, and this roster is going to change. I think Jay Crowder will be traded. It'll be likely be very soon. And it'll be interesting to see what they get back for him. But what scares me is that two of your key players, two of your top seven players last year, are going to be gone in JaVel McGee and Jay Crowder. Both of those guys brought an incredible defensive presence to yes. the Suns, which I think that they will miss a lot more than whatever offense those guys gave them. Yeah, that's a part of their season that I'm really looking at, Gambo, and I'm really interested to see at the start of the season. We are just assuming that Cam Johnson is going to start. If he's not starting, we're going to have a lot of questions for whoever else is starting because Cam Johnson certainly earned that spot. I've got a story up on ArizonaSports.com just writing about how Cam is ready for this. He has proven everything that he's needed to prove over his first three years with the Suns, but here in year four, it's the biggest step forward of his career so far, and I think he's going to be ready for it. Do you think he should be starting? Absolutely, without a doubt. I don't disagree with that at all. 16 points per game. As a starter last year, he shot 49 from the field, and, 42 from three. And he's gotten better defensively. <clears throat> he has. Now, he doesn't give you the physical presence that Jay does. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Jay's, here's what, here's what they'll miss about Jay, and I'll tell you this just from an inside thing. Jay has the ability to get on Chris 
and Devin that nobody else on this team has. Jay has the ability to get on Monty, okay? Jay's a res- as a respected veteran who's won a lot of games, been to the finals a couple times. Jay can get on Chris if Chris is slacking at all. He's the only guy that can. Jay will get on Buck, and Jay will even get on Monty. Come on, yeah. Monty, you come on. Like, Cam's not going to do that. Nobody that they bring in for Jay is going to do that. So I'm a little worried, a little worried yeah. about the defense you lose, but also the presence of Jay and the stuff that goes unnoticed. If you're just watching the game, you don't realize that Jay will get on their ass. Both yes. Chris and Book, he will get if he if those guys are doing something wrong, he's the one guy that could get on those guys and that's going to be gone now. The leaders of those of that team, besides Monty Williams, obviously, is Chris Paul, it's Devin Booker, and it's Jay Crowder. And, and now Jay is someone who, when you outline this roster, he's the fifth or sixth most important player. But in terms of prominent voices, uh, I would really argue that he's got a case for number two or even uh, definitely number three. But you could even argue that his voice like trumps Monty just in terms of being one of the players. He has been instrumental to their growth over the last two years. I think the Suns have gotten exactly everything they could have wanted out of him. And look, he wants to start somewhere still, so he's going to go and find a team that he can start for or a team that he can find a lot more minutes for because when you're a wing and you're playing alongside Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson, it's going to be tough to find minutes. That was a challenge that he was looking at this year. But back to that offense-defense yeah. discussion, Gambo, I think that's going to be the interesting tweak here. It's like, okay, can you become a elite, elite offensive team. Like, they've been top three, top five in the league for a while now, but can you be, like, the best offensive team in the league? And then can your defense suffer a little bit? Maybe you're down to, like, six, seven, eight, nine range. That's still completely fine. That's still a championship caliber team because the math is pretty simple sometimes. Game about three points is more than two. Jay Crowder shoots about 34, 35% from three over the course of his two years with Phoenix. Uh, Cam Johnson, like I said, as a starter last year, he shot 42% from three. He's already established himself as one of the best shooters in the league. My favorite number from those Cam Johnson and starting looks that we got last year. He averaged over seven threes a game, Gambo. So you imagine those five to seven threes. Jay averaged about five last year. So you look at Jay getting those five, Cam getting those seven. You get a couple more, and then Cam's are going to go in a lot more, obviously, because he's an elite shooter. The offense is going to be and, and really should be much better this year just but, with that move. But then the bench, okay? Yes. No JaVel McGee off the bench. No Cam Johnson off the bench. Cam replaces uh, Jay in the starting lineup. There's some positives and some negatives there. But if you look at that bench now, there's a lot more question marks. Without JaVel, without Cam Johnson, and with Dario coming back and really, really struggled in the the limited time that he played, the few games that he played in, uh, what was that tournament called? Eurobasket. The Eurobasket. He did not play well. He did not look good in Eurobasket. So I think there's some real concerns for James Jones with his bench and the depth that he takes a lot of pride in building. And I think this just kind of reinforces Gambo that coming off of last season, there are enough questions as it is about this team on the court. And that's just when you get to everything that's been happening off the court in the last 48 hours and then just the last couple of months with this team. And it just doesn't feel like they can afford to have many of these things stack up. Now, if the Suns prove to be capable of this and and they win 60, 65 games, 55 games, somewhere in that range again this year, and, and they prove that all of this was just nonsense essentially and and they can get by it it's definitely not nonsense but is it nonsense that can affect their play 
we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. But DeAndre is obviously the number one question. And look, if this is just the pissed off DeAndre we're going to get, and he's playing the best basketball of his career, great. Don't talk to your coach if you're going to play like this. But if it starts to affect his play, and more importantly, I think Gambo, his relationship with his teammates, because DeAndre, without a doubt, a million percent, is going to give his all for, for his guys. He really cares about his teammates. He really cares about the friendships that he's grown to develop on that team. He cares about playing for those guys and winning for those guys. But if his relationship with money starts to affect the way that his teammates think of him, that's that's the kind of stuff we have to start speculating about because of the position they're in right now. I think no matter what, even if everything was status quo, they were going to have some struggles this year because the Nuggets are going to be better with Murray coming back. The Clippers are going to be better with Kawhi. The Warriors are you know, primed to win again. You've got Minnesota made moves to get a lot better with their big front line. Memphis was a young team that really grew up last year. New Orleans is getting Zion back and that team, they gave the Suns fits without Zion. I already thought that the Suns were going to be in for a tough task. Like I, I think it's the West is going to be incredibly tough. It always is, but I think even you know tougher than at any point in these last couple of years. So I already thought the Suns were going to have some issues dealing with a tougher West, but now you throw in, you know, you know, not having Jay. Now they'll get somebody for Jay. The question is just who are they going to get? Can can James pull off a deal? Knowing that he, this guy wants out, can he pull off a deal that can help the Phoenix Suns? Can he get a player that could really excel on the bench for Phoenix? Don't forget that they also have, you know, that uh, taxpayer exception that they will be able to use at some point. They'll be able to use that, and hopefully they do. Text us your thoughts on the Phoenix Suns to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Kyler Murray, does he need to run in order for the Suns to win? He talked about it. We'll tell you what he said next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Welcome! 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Alright, Cardinals get set for the Panthers on Sunday, and we've talked a lot about Kyler Murray and the crazy numbers on when he runs, the success that they've had, when he doesn't run, the failures they have, and when he's kind of in the middle, the mediocrity that they have. So it's been an incredible conversation for a lot of the shows over the last couple of days on Kyler. Uh, Kyler did not run the ball against the Rams. He didn't have his first carry in the game until it was about four minutes left in the game, but uh, they did a good job of really you know, bottling him up and, and not letting him run. Here's Kyler talking Talking about uh, what what teams are doing to limit his rushing? Nah, it's more so you know if if, if I'm asked to do it, you know then then, then I do it. You know, in certain situations as of, you know late where um, it, it's got to come off scrambles and stuff like that, whereas teams may not you know allow me to scramble as much as you know um, people asking why I'm not running and stuff like that. Like it's not it's not it's not by you know want to or anything like that. I think just design right now is. Uh, we, we probably, you know, I've said I would, you know, I would, I would love to implement that more, but um, I just ask, you know, I do what I'm asked to. I do what I'm asked to do. You would want Kyler, listen, you want to keep Kyler healthy. Yes. But, you know, there's, and you don't want him to be Lamar Jackson. But here's the thing on Kyler running the ball. I think everybody has noticed over his first few years in the league. He is as good as anybody at getting, you know, getting out of bounds, getting down without taking the hit. Yes. I've never seen anybody like him. 
you know, Lamar Jackson is going to try to run through guys. He's going to try to run guys over. And most running backs out there, you know, they're not afraid to take a hit or two. And I'm not saying Kyler's not afraid to take a hit. Um, but I'm saying Kyler, I think, is smarter about I'm a smaller quarterback in stature. I can't take the same amount of hits that some of these other bigger quarterbacks can do. I think his whole life he's had to play this way and he knows how to play it. I just think he's really good at it. Now, obviously, you know, there's certain things you can't. Even the Aaron Donald sack. Aaron Donald's 100th sack. He barely touched him. He got his toe, his, his toes. He grabbed his foot and, and, and he sacked him. It wasn't a big sack. Kyler does a great job of not taking the hits. So to me, you know, it's just it's it's part of what makes him special. And it's part of what allows allow the Cardinals to play well with DeAndre Hopkins not in the game is his ability to run. The, the archetype game that I always come back to was a 2020 matchup with the Dallas Cowboys. Kyler was 9 of 24 for 188 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, not that great of a passing line. Gamble, they blew the doors off the Cowboys 38 to 10, and that is because Kenyon Drake had 20 carries for 164 yards and two touchdowns, but then Kyler had 10 carries for 74 yards and a touchdown, and that was one of the games where you really kind of saw <clears throat> the vision for Kyler and just how he can be so dynamic as a runner and just how when you have a game when he's 9 of 24 and the passing game isn't going, you can still destroy yeah. as an offense because of his ability to run the ball if your running back is able to get going as well. And you know what? Kenyon Drake gets going a bit because Kyler Murray is has them on their back heels immediately and that's where you get the run game going even more in a different way so for them to not run designed runs it just does not make sense to me it does not compete with my head at all I get keeping him healthy but you mean excellent point Gambo he's got that sixth sense he understands when someone's about to be behind him in front of him to his left to his right and he gets down he does not allow himself to take to take hits and if he takes one he takes two it, it's gonna happen. It's. I think it's fine because risk reward. The reward is a skill set that again, no other quarterback has in, in the NFL. Is Lamar Jackson a better overall runner? Yes. Can Josh Allen do it as well? Yes. But are they agile in the ways Kyler is? The way he can make a guy miss in that Cowboys game. There were a couple of different sections where. Kyler's in the open field. There's one dude in front of him. Kyler's sprinting at him. That guy has zero chance of getting his hands on Kyler. None. Zero. Just with the way that he moves, they really need to take advantage of it more. I I think what you're looking at with Kyler is can he win a game if he has to stay in the pocket because they contain him. And we haven't seen that yet. And, uh, you know, when Burns, you brought up that stat the other day, I was kind of just blown away by it. I mean, just the four times or less, if he runs zero, one, two, three, or four times, they haven't won a football game. They're 11, 12 games played. They haven't won one game. And when he runs 10 or more times, they've won a whole bunch of games, only lost one. And when he runs somewhere in the middle, they're four, they're 500 team, 14 and 14. Can the Cardinals win a football game if a defense has a design that doesn't allow Kyle to run, doesn't allow you to run? We're going to, we're going to make sure that you can't get out and run. We're going to take that. We're going to, we're going to take that away. Does Kyler have the ability in the pocket to do enough damage throwing the football to make teams play? Maybe you've got to get more screen passes involved. To me, listen, I think we've seen this offense struggle for a long time without DeAndre Hopkins going back to last year. I I want to see more 
of the tight ends involved in the offense. I want to see more two tight end sets. You got three quality tight ends on your roster. You got Zach Ertz, you got Max Williams, you got McBride. Use them. I mean, use these guys. I mean, it's time for the Cardinals to, you know, to get on one of these lists. Hey, top rookies of the week. I want to see that. Like, I mean, every week I look at the reports and, you know, they just never have a guy. Oh, here's a Cardinal rookie that's had a great week. I mean, they just don't take advantage of these guys or play them very much. But, I mean, McBride, Ride, they were raving, and we were all surprised they took a tight end, but they took a tight end for a reason, because they thought this kid was a superstar. Okay, not good. They thought this kid was Travis Kelsey. What happened in week one? They didn't, they didn't play these guys. They didn't suit him up. He was yeah, inactive. They didn't play him. Majai Sanders didn't play either. Cameron Thomas had like four snaps in week one. Not playing them. Not playing these guys. So I want to see the tight ends get more involved in this offense because I think that's where you could really do some damage against these other teams. Gambo, this is one of those things where I kind of zoom out and the Isaiah Simmons is the whole thing is the biggest example of this. And I, and I tweeted about this on during the game on Sunday. But what these kinds of things represent to me. So Zach Ertz, you re-signed him. Max Williams, you re-signed him. You drafted this McBride kid. When you have a a lot of different places you could have addressed on this football team, you look at that second-round pick and using it on someone who could have helped this defense, perhaps. You grab someone on the offensive line. I know Linderbaum was someone you talked about a ton. Loved him, and he he had a great week this week. Talked about a ton that week. That was in the first round, of course, but but either way, uh, this is something where, okay, you got these three tight ends. You invested heavily in tight ends. Why is the coaching staff not using these tight ends that Steve Kime brought in? And there just seems to be this disconnect there. I, yeah. I don't understand it because you built this team around, not around those three tight ends, but you built this team with that kind of usage in mind. I expect, I was, I was excited for the Ron Wolfley football, two, three tight ends. I was excited to see that short passing game, to see Ertz get a little bit more vertical, to see McBride get a little bit more vertical, kind of see those kinds of developments. And there's been barely any of it at all. They I don't lined know what up the two, exact first snap play, counts are, but first play of the game last week, they lined up two tight ends through the ball of Zach Ertz. It's great. I need to see more of it. More. We, we run, more. run that. Make that a big part of your op- Without DeAndre Hopkins. Exactly. Exactly. When Hopkins comes back, I get it. But in the meantime, I mean, let's let's throw those. Let's see what you could. Let's see what kind of damage you could do with those tight ends. Look, we all know that Kyler's small and the wide receivers are small. Um, but you also look. Your tight ends are, are playing. You know, right right off the line of scrimmage. They're right there. They're lining up right next to your tackle most of the time. So I mean, it's an it's an easier pe- play for Kyler to you know to get the ball to those guys. I'd like to see them take advantage of that. They're good football without, players, especially without they, like Zach Ertz has been a good football player as well. Max Williams is a good football player. Great last year. And yeah. then McBride, like, they're talking about this kid like he's going to be a superstar. I, I and he know. was the first tight end selected in the whole class. And he's just, there's no impact. There's no impact from the, from the rookies. I mean, I, there might be a disconnect. We draft these kids and they don't play. Like, why? Are they, you know, and then, you know, something like, okay, Hassan Reddick, they couldn't figure out what to do with Hassan Reddick. He goes to Carolina, flourishes, and, and he gets a big contract after that, after his one year prove it deal. So, you know, some of these players are good players. They're just not getting the most out of them. They got to fix that. They got to try to figure out what they can do. One more from uh, Kylo that I want to play on, on the inability to make crucial plays. I don't want to, you know, it's not just a couple plays. I think it's, you know, foundationally, you know, from, from just what we're all doing right now, it's not good enough. Um, obviously, there are a couple plays where we would love to have back um, reads that I would, you know, every game quarterbacks are going to have reads they want to take back. Um, but the plays, you know, that are there to be made the crucial plays that are there to be made we got to make those plays and there, there were some crucial plays in that game where you know we could have made a difference um 
again, everybody makes mistakes. You know, all you ask is for them to make them full speed. But uh, right now, we're just we're we're all kind of you know we're all not doing our job as good as we should. Uh, that's Kyler. Just, you know, we're all not doing our job as good as we should. He was obviously mad at Andy Isabella for not turning around on that one play. Um, but I think he's still taking some of the blame himself. Text fan to 620-620 for your chance to become the Redbird Farms chicken fan of the game. One lucky winner will win two tickets to an upcoming Cardinals home game and be featured on the Jumbotron. That's text fan to 620-620. Can the Suns block out the noise, and get back to the NBA Finals. We'll talk about that next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Hi, thanks for tuning in here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. We appreciate it. Hope that uh, Burnsy feels better and you can get back soon. But in the meantime, we're going to get you through this day and uh, continue talking some Suns and Cardinals and everything. And I think one of the things that you know, really came out of media day, and it was it was a whirlwind day because there's so much involved with the Phoenix Suns as far as Jay Crowder wants out. And I checked with Dallas because I think Sham Sharani mentioned Dallas. Mm-hmm. Dallas is not interested. Yeah. Um, I checked with Boston. Let me see what I got from Boston here, because I know I think they mentioned Boston too, right? Wasn't that one of the teams that was mentioned? It was one of the teams too. I think Philly was in there. Yeah, about a half dozen teams. Boston, yeah. uh, Utah was in there. Got Grant Williams off the bench. Don't seem to need Crowder. Yeah, um, they're a deep team, man. And that Crowder yeah. would not have a, a bigger role in Boston than what he would have right here in Phoenix. Yeah. So they, you go to Boston, you're not going to have a very big role. So I, I checked with Boston. I checked with Dallas. I'll try to check with some of these other teams. Uh, Jay wants out, but and I'm sure that there's there's a team that will take him. I just don't know what the Suns are going to get back from. But you've got that. You've got the the Robert Sarver going to be selling the team at some point. The team's going to be sold. So you've got you still got you know a bunch of things going on with the employees and the meeting that Jason Rowley had and uh, and. I mean, now you've got the DA and the Monty thing. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of question marks about the Phoenix Suns right now. And the question simply is, can they internally block out all of the noise with everything that's going on and concentrate on basketball? Now you were there today. Give me some of your thoughts on how today went. Today was actually pretty normal. Yeah, it was it was normal, and I feel the need to emphasize that because Tuesday was not normal, obviously, when DeAndre said all that stuff, and then we had to hear Monty's side of the story, and then Monday, of course, was not a normal day at all. A lot of very serious things brought up during media day, and I think everyone's tone pretty much reflected that those questions were coming. Uh, today was, yeah, today was fairly normal. It, it was great to hear from Monty on just continuity and how that's going to be a big part of their team because everyone thinks about continuity from the player side, and I'll have a story up later tonight on Arizona Sports. Like I'm, I'm going to get right out of this booth with the game mode. I'm going to go right over there. My day's not done just yet. I got some stuff Ooh, to do. So what are you writing tonight? Keep it going. Give me, give me a little hint. What are so you writing we're, tonight? We're, we're going to talk about continuity and how this team, Monty said two days in so far, this is the most he's ever seen a team scrimmage in training camp before. Uh, the referees that they have come in and run those games yes. will, will pass us in the in the waiting room. So then when we see those guys, we know like, oh, they scrimmaged today. And I saw them on the first day and I was like, wow, scrimmaging on the first day. Look at that. And that's because of the continuity that they've got on this team. They've got, I believe, six players who have been here for the entirety of Monty Williams' stay. And those guys like Devin Booker, like Campaign, can 
point out things to the newer guys and just really be the coaches on the floor and really help run practice pretty much, which is what Monty said. But then from a coach's perspective, I mean, Gamble, you remember like Darko Rajakovich, obviously Willie Green moved Willie on. Willie Green was a big part of there. He had some huge staff, yeah. assistants that moved on. And fortunately for Monty, he did not have that happen this offseason. Now, Kevin Young was up for the Utah job, and Monty said Kevin had a great shot at that job. I'm sure he's going to get that big opportunity sometime soon. But Monty joked that while he felt bad, of course, for Kevin not getting the job, he was kind of relieved because he gets to keep all his coaches yeah. around. They bring in Patrick Matumbo from Toronto, who is a huge addition. There, There's nothing but raving about him and, and what he's going to bring. And Monty called him a steal uh, for them. So the way that they've kind of been able to sprint out of the gates right now in training camp from a basketball perspective has been great to see but we haven't talked much about that on this show at all Gambo and with good reason because there's a lot of stuff going on with this team what do you think is the biggest thing hanging over their heads right now is it uh, to me I would say it's the Jay Crowder I was such a big part of what they did yeah not the Kano's cam going to get an extension like that that that, if it happens it happens I think but I would just think just not having Jay Crowder there I mean we thought we were past all of the Eric Bledsoe I don't want to be here Goran Dragic I don't want to be here Mark Keefe and Marcus Morris I don't want to be here and I thought we were past a lot of that to have a play to have a team that went to the NBA finals and then the next year they win 64 games and then to have a guy that has that's under contract and he doesn't want to be here like I, I'm kind of surprised by that. I'm, I'm actually taken aback. I would think that's the biggest distraction. Well, you think about it just from like an everyday perspective. Like Gambo, you and I have like people we talk to in this office about like certain interests, right? And you have that kind of moment where where you think about that thing, like whether it's like a movie or a TV show or whatever, and then you kind of like raise your voice to go talk to that person, and then you remember like they don't work here anymore, and you're like, oh, oh my gosh, that's right, they're gone, and they're gonna have moments like that with Jay, where Jay's voice is just gonna be missing. It's, it has always been there, and you made a great point earlier in the show where you were like, he will call out Chris Paul. He does. He'll call out Monty Williams. Like, he it, calls him Jay out. Jay will speak his mind, and he has earned that respect to speak his mind and have it taken in and not be looked at as an insult or anything like that when he's speaking his mind to everyone in the organization, quite honestly. And Jay has been that kind of leader. He has helped so much with helping guys like DeAndre, even Devin, Mikel, Cam Johnson learn what playoff basketball was. Incredible thing. That hurts. That hurts not having him there because he does. He will call out Devin Booker. He will call out Chris Paul. He will call out Monty Williams and not having him there. Cam Cam Johnson's not going to do that. Whoever they replace Jay Crowder with is not going to do that. But Jay was just a respected, respected veteran. And so to not, and, 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 you know, a tough, hard nosed guy. And so, you know, Chris Chris Paul wasn't the only guy that could get on. Who was going to, who's going to get on Chris Paul? Jay was the only guy that would do that, and and Jay would get on book in those guys. So not having, I I think that's going to be a loss for them. But listen, I got a lot of faith in James Jones. Me too. Let's see what he does. He still has the the taxpayer exception he could use at some point. He's he's got the ability to trade Jay for somebody else. Let's see what he comes up with before we judge it. You know, one more thing on Jay that I wanted to add is, did you notice around sometime last year, Gambo? Not exactly sure. Opposing fan bases, when the Suns went on the road, they hated the Suns. They just hated them. There was that game in Denver where, especially in Denver, yeah. remember the one in Minnesota where 
Carl Anthony Towns like you're too small, Jay Crowder, and then the Suns yeah. just this just blew the doors off of them in the second half. Devin Booker's dunking on D'Angelo Russell, that yapping was, at his buddy, the back up. and the crowd that was my is, favorite game of the year. And the crowd is booing while that's happening because they can't stand these yeah. guys. Jay played a huge part in that. Someone, uh, a Suns fan, I'm not remembering. Blank Jay Crowder shirts, yeah, the, the shirts, of course, the blank Jay Crowder yeah. shirts. Those, it's like Jay is the guy who's averaging like nine points. He's nine points a game in the series. Why is he getting to? this fan base, which New Orleans doesn't have like a connection with Jay Crowder for any reason, but he just drives people nuts, and that's something that is so good about him, and there were moments last year, Gamble, where I was like, man, Mikel's talking a lot. Like, Mikel is the sweetest guy in the world. Like, he's a great human being, but there were times I, I didn't really see him as a trash talker at all, but he was talking quite a bit uh. last year, and this team really got some swagger last year, and Jay had a lot to do with that. The, the fan that I was mentioning, they kind of put up those memorable images of the Jay Crowder time. There was the salsa dance that he had. There was the face that he made at LeBron. All of those are points where he's kind of taunting and playing with guys a little bit, and Jay just had that intangible thing about him, and it helped a lot of these young guys kind of build their own edge, build their own chip on their shoulder, build the swagger that he's always Did they mishandle it? I mean, that's the big question, right? Did the Suns mishandle for it to get to the point where Jay Crowder doesn't want to be here? Something happened. Something happened. I want an extension. No, we're not going to give me an extension. I I believe what I was told that he that, that Jay was told that they're going to start Cam and, and Cam's going to start and finish games and it's not going to be him. Do you think they should have started Cam Johnson or Jay Carter? That's the answer to this question. There's only one I answer. I think that they should have started Cam Johnson. Me too. So but I also just... but I also question could you have is there a way that you could have handled this better to where Jay would have accepted his role? It's a good point. But listen, he you know this from covering the league. It's it's not your eighth, ninth, and tenth guy. They may not, but your sixth and seventh guys. Crucial. They get a lot of minutes. Like you, you get a lot of minutes as the sixth and seventh guy. Now, once you get past the top seven, okay, now it can vary, right? But usually. Your top two guys off the bench are not complaining about minutes because they get plenty of minutes. Yeah. So that's could you have found like that's what I question like. Was this mishandled? What happened? Is this more on Jay or is this more on the Suns or is it on both of them? That it got to the point now where a very valuable player of your team was under contract for another year, wants no part of being on your roster. Why? What happened and could it have been handled better? And you would think... Like because of James and Monty, if that was the case, like you you would have been. I, I'm so I'm, I'm actually I'm disappointed that I got to this point. You would have hoped that it wouldn't have. I think what you're speaking to Gambo is when you look at like the pie chart and the percentages of why Jay got here. It's like okay, is it just a hundred percent the camp starting over him? Probably not, right? There's probably some little slivers in there, and like what are those slivers exactly? Like one of them is probably the contract extension that you mentioned. But are there any other things that popped up? Like how the Suns handled it? Like was there any Anything with Jay behind the scenes, I, I don't really know, but I, I do think that it overwhelmingly came down to Jay wanting to remain a starter, and I'm sure you know how James Jones is. I'm sure it was just like, hey, we're going to training camp competing for spots. You're going to have to earn that spot in training camp, and Jay probably to some extent was like, excuse me, I've done everything you guys have asked of me the last two years. I've been everything you guys expected, uh, but Cam Johnson just is at that point in his career now where he needs to start. It, it seems like at Gambo, they're trending in the right direction with him in terms of a contract extension. He's about to become a very expensive player and a sure. very valuable player. And, and man, to, to look at the DeAndre thing and, and warp this back into it, you look at this group now, and I think something that gets forgotten with DeAndre a lot is when we talk about this young core that the team still has, if DeAndre moves on, now it's just Devin 
Mikel and Cam. It's just those, it's a lot better with that fourth guy in DeAndre, who's one of the top five players in the league at his position right now. So Cam is just so important to their future. And I think this was the right move for them. And it might have, it might wind up being the right move for Jay, but I'm pessimistic on that front. But hey, he's got to do what's good for him. And that's what this was. Yeah. And I, listen, I, I, I hope the resolution comes quickly on this and it, that it doesn't drag out. Yeah. Make a move, move on. So that way, you know, you don't have to, it's not a distraction anymore. You bring a new player in here and let this guy get accustomed to playing with these guys because they will get a player for Jay Crowder. All right. Devin Booker spoke about DeAndre Ayton today. So we want to get you those uh, clips. And we had Ramona Shelburne on a little bit earlier. So we'll talk a little DeAndre Ayton next right here on 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo. What's on tonight? Uh, you're surprising me with this. D-backs baseball is on right now. D-backs baseball, take it on the ash. Had a good first inning against Verlander. Got a couple runs across the board. So D-backs and the Astros. You watching any good TV shows right now? I mean, anything you're watching? Yeah, I'm watching Survivor. We mentioned that Survivor earlier. Survivor you mentioned, okay. Bit. Yeah, have you heard of What We Do in the Shadows? What We Do in the Shadows. Ooh, that's it's, on, uh, it's on Hulu. It's on what FX. It's shadows. kind of one of those mockumentary shows. It's about vampires. It is hilarious. Oh, vampires. Yeah, this, I'm into vampires. Well, it's not like the Twilighty kind of yeah. vampires. It's, it's very comedic. It's a very hilarious show. It was one that I binged when I was out sick. It was phenomenal. You know, I got to, you know, a, a lot of times, uh, me and my wife watch a lot of shows together. But, like, if she's at base, like, tonight I'm at baseball practice with my son. When she's at baseball practice and she doesn't get home until late, I, I I got away from The Walking Dead, like, about four years ago. Good call. Five years ago. Yeah. I just, like, what, so sometimes when I'm sitting at home and, like, I don't want to watch one of the shows that me and her watch, I'm like, <laughs> I'll just, let me let me just see what's going on in one of those episodes. I'll throw yeah. one on. I'll be like, oh, oh wow. Three okay. years later, that character's there. Yeah. They hooked up. They have a kid now. Like, yeah, all I that just stuff. Don't know. So I, like, I got away from it because after a while, it's like, all right, it's the same thing all the time, right? These zombies are going to try to eat you. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I get out. Um, the walkers, here they come. And so I like the last couple of weeks, I was just like, I probably watched about four or five episodes. I think it's yeah, it's still going. I, I fell out after like season four or five, something like that. It was a great show. It was a great show, but like off. it needed an ending. It needed to end. It still doesn't have one yet. <laughs> still doesn't now, like yet. Negan and Maggie are like uh, friends uh, and they're working together and like okay all right all right so that's uh that's what's on tonight all right let's let's get into uh devin booker devin booker spoke on today uh, on money and da not talking here's what devin booker said about that on top of each other for a long time i didn't talk to coach much at all this coming either and the times that i did he stressed the fact of getting away and having that feeling of, of missing the game missing your team and like you say, you know, it's a long season. We're with each other every day. I think it's time to get away from each other. Um, we're about to spend the next seven months, eight months, right on top of each other every day. I mean, we see each other more than we see see our family. So I think it's always good to get away, get quiet, and, you know, remove yourself from, from this industry and lifestyle. I, I totally get that. But he, he did kind of say that he talked to Monty <laughs> in that cut. He did. Right? Yeah. Play just, play just a little bit of it again, Mitch, up until the point where he says he spoke with Monty. Been on top of each other for a long time. I didn't talk to Coach much at all this summer either. And the t- I, but play, keep going. Been on top of each other for a long time. I didn't 
talk to Coach much at all this coming either. And the times that I did, he stressed the fact of getting away. I didn't speak to him much this summer, but I spoke to him. The times I did. So you spoke with him. You know what Devin Booker didn't have with Monty Williams? A very public kind right. of exchange that everyone was talking about. He but, did not. But Devin Booker basically just but said, I still, spoke with Monty. But he still talked to him. I talked like, with Monty. If he didn't talk to Devin Booker all summer, there really wasn't right. a reason to. There was a reason to talk to DeAndre Aiden this summer. Well, he spoke with Monty, but DA didn't speak with Monty. I thought that was pretty interesting. Here's Devin Booker on whether he thinks that the relationship between Monty and DA is going to be a Distraction for them. Nah, that's what good to me. That was it. What do you say nah, again? That's what good to me. The guys look good to me. Nah, that's what good to me. Guys look good to me. So that that that's what he said. Guys look good to me. He's Does very he, quiet when he says "nah." Yeah, you know. Does he think guys changed? He's saying to me, he's coming in here. He's working hard. And he's getting after it. You know, so. That's the energy of our team. That's the that's the motto. Coming here and put our head down and work. All right, that is Devin Booker and the things that he had to say. Look, put his head down and work. And I mean, you could tell that this bothered DA, right? Pretty easy. You could tell that that, that there's there's some friction there, and it's still there. And I mean, he had no problem. He hasn't talked to me. I haven't talked to him. We haven't talked. We haven't spoken with each other. Are you happy about the contract? I guess you know, sort of. You know, I mean, like yeah, but like. Like, I think a lot of people were taken aback by the DeAndre Ayton answers to the contract and then to the money situation. Yeah, I, I, I was for sure. And I just wonder what can change on that front and, and what needs to change. And I don't want to say if it needs to change because it does. Like, they need to have a line of communication. Like, that's going to happen. They need that, yeah. And I just wonder how much it's going to affect what happens on the court because... Look, you zoom out, zoom in, however you want to like view this optics-wise. DeAndre Aiden is one of the five best centers in basketball, and guess what? He's probably going to play like one of the five best centers in basketball this year still. But are there going to be moments in games, stretches of games, where Monty needs to have that dialogue with him? I mean, one of the most viral things to come out of their ascent in the last two years is that time when Monty was talking to DeAndre in between the game during a timeout, and just like the inspirational way that Monty spoke just went viral and that's the type of connection that he always has with his players i referenced this this morning when i was on bickley and Murata. last summer deandre was vacationing in the bahamas and monty williams texted him and said i need you to be day one ready i need you to be in game shape day one and deandre said i put down everything and i got to work right away i was running up and down the beaches in the bahamas i was getting myself in shape that's the type of relationship that he has had with da in the past and it sure doesn't seem like he has it with him anymore and and Gambo as you've been echoing a lot not only today but yesterday as well there are two people involved in this but it feels like this was the one where Monty really had to be the one to step up here and make this happen it doesn't sound like he did no and this could go a couple of different ways one DeAndre plays extremely well and you get to the point like I don't want to trade him or two DeAndre doesn't play very well and you can't trade him because he's making 30 million dollars a year so it's a it's a kind of a like a damned if you do, damned if you don't. If DeAndre plays great basketball, there's no reason to want to trade him. Um, but if he's not happy here, 
you know, I mean, you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place if he's not happy because then you may not want him here. The other thing is, you know, if he doesn't play well, for some reason he's not getting the ball and he's not involved in the offense and the numbers are kind of similar. Do you remember after the NBA Finals run, they didn't want to give him the contract extension. And they, we were like, they didn't want to give him like the 178 or 176, whatever it was. Yeah. They didn't want to give him the full max. They did not want to give him the full max. And so what did we say? Okay, he'll have a, he'll have a year and at the end of the year, we'll know full well whether, whether he's worth it or not. Then you play the entire year and you kind of like, I don't really know if he's worth it or not. It was awesome still against the Pelicans, bad against the Mavericks. Like there just but it was wasn't debatable. It was like you know, it was there, like yeah. okay, he's good, but is he worth thirty million dollars a year? I get it. Like I wanted, I thought he should be paid, but the reality is, and I talked to a lot of teams around the league. Nobody wants to pay centers thirty million dollars anymore, unless you're paying Embiid or Jokic or even Rudy Gobert, who just got traded. Most teams want to pay Kevin Looney nine, ten million dollars and then pay a backup a few million and then you, you spend your money elsewhere. So the way the NBA is, unless you have one of those two or three top guys, you're not spending your money on a, uh, on, on a center. You're, you're 30 million bucks on a center. You're going to spend that money elsewhere. That's just the way the NBA is right now. Nothing you can do about that if you're DeAndre Ayton except become one of the two or three best players in the league to justify why you're worth $30 million a year. There's a big neon sign hanging over this season, and it says January 15th on it. Mm. And I just wondered if it was going to start to dim a little bit, and then eventually it wasn't even going to be on anymore. That sign is flashing and blinking brightly right now. January 15th. January 15th. He could decline any trade. He could decline any trade. That is when DeAndre can be traded. But as Gambo just said... He has a right to veto any trade for a full year. So they're in a position now where they're they're in a really rough spot, and I think it can't be emphasized enough that when you make moves this big in the middle of a season, it's really tough to win a championship that year. Even if you make your team better with the trade, you are shifting the dynamic. We talked about this a ton when DeAndre was potentially leaving in the offseason. Their dynamic as a team on the offensive end and the defensive end completely changes if he's not there. I don't care if they get a better center than him. <clears throat> it just changes the way that they're going to operate as a team. And now this is the type of stuff that we're talking about here in the second day of training camp, Gambo, when uh, we could have not been. But, but we are because of what was said. Do you think that the Phoenix Suns maxed out DeAndre Ayton, matched that offer sheet because they really liked him and they wanted to keep him or because they didn't want to lose him for nothing? Not lose him for nothing. You think it's more that? Yes. It's more of not wanting to lose him for nothing and oh my God, we love this guy, we got to keep him. Give him the 133 yourselves. Why'd you wait for someone else to give it to him? Because you spend, you save $45 million. That was always, uh, they could see save $45 million and you save a year. Yeah. So that was always an op. That was always the best way to go to save money. That was the smart way to go business wise. All right, Kellen, great job filling in. You're going to have some articles up tonight on ArizonaSports.com on your Phoenix Suns, so everybody can check that out. Mitch and Eric, thanks for uh, getting us through today without Bernsey. We'll be back tomorrow, two o'clock sharp, right here on ninety-eight seven FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Have a good night, everybody. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Go.